Hello, and welcome to Harp Column Podcast, taking you behind the stories in Harp Column from a practical harpist perspective. My name is Christina Finch, and I will be your guide to all things harp. Music for today's episode comes from Annalene Lennart's new CD, Nina Rota, Works for Harp. Episode number 53 features Katie Canelli flammer a Boston-based freelance harpist, insurance sales supervisor, and author of the sounding board article titled Finding Your Identity in the July-August 2019 issue of Harp Column. I've known Katie for a long time. She was a junior at Eastman when I entered for my DMA, and I was so pleased to have the opportunity to catch up with her. To say that I was impressed by her is to put it mildly. Katie is living the reality of so many people who have advanced music degrees. The duality of the desire to create art and the need to make a living. There's so much stigma around the idea of a day job in our community, but it's a reality for so many of us. And Katie is opening the curtains and letting us in. To start things off, I asked Katie how her article came about. Uh, so it originally stemming from the Harperl Instagram event. During that event, you know, I, I took a look at some of the categories that on each day. So each day there was a different opportunity to share different stories that we've all had as harpists, anything from your teachers to your dream gig, literally 30 days of different categories. So I took a quick look and at first, you know, I, I was thinking about, okay, there's a couple of days here that I might want to share some information. And I saw the one that said, I'm a harpist, but dot, dot, dot. And this struggle between a day job and my performance work has always kind of picked away at me. So, and and honestly, I'm still kind of coming to terms with, you know, I have to remind myself, I do feel pride in my work and I do feel successful. But when I saw that I'm a harpist, but I immediately thought, but I I have to share my life with this other role that I have. So I originally made that post and it got a lot of really, really good feedback. So I had a bunch of people like the article. I even had non-musicians who follow me on Instagram who reached out and said, you know, I've experienced the same thing with, with artwork or with, you know, with my children, whatever the situation might have been for them. But I got a lot of really, really positive feedback so after posting that and really getting to interact with a couple of people, that's when Allison did approach me and said, you know, we would love to kind of elaborate on this and see some of the additional details. And I think really, especially adding the portion about Adriana Horn with her success story, uh, you know, that's not something that I typically would share with people, but I definitely do kind of keep that in the back of my head because eventually she did, you know, go on to win a couple of really prestigious jobs, but honestly, she felt very, very comfortable and, and was satisfied with where she was at that point, which really struck a chord because when she played at our masterclass, it was incredible, like really just very passionate honest playing that, you know, if, if I miss something, I missed it, but I'm going to miss it. You know, I'm really going to go for it, uh, which is exactly what, what Sarah Bullen had been teaching us at Roosevelt. So 
seeing somebody who played that unapologetically and still felt comfortable, you know, well, if it happens, it happens, but if not, that's okay. So let's talk about this practically. How exactly does one choose the perfect day job? With a degree in music, you are at once extremely qualified and extremely unqualified to do just about everything. So I asked Katie how she found her day job. It really was kind of, not an accident, but it was not conscious at first. So when I graduated from school, I I knew for sure I was going to head back to Massachusetts, even though I loved Chicago. Still to this day, I would move back to Chicago in a heartbeat. But with finances and, and my family being in Massachusetts, it just felt like the most successful start to my path. So I went back to Massachusetts and really just kind of applied to anything that sounded interesting to me. So I knew that I wanted something creative you know i wanted to feel you know that pride in my work knowing that you know it wasn't going to be full-time harp but at least i could do something that i was passionate about so actually originally i started at a stationary company like you know beautiful pens and paper that they created oh yeah it was it was lovely but you know as i was there i realized this was not what i wanted you know it was more of answering phones, processing shipments, you know, maybe occasionally recommending a pen or a type of stationery to somebody, but it was really not tapping into any creativity that I was hoping for. So honest, I only stayed there for about three months because it was slowly killing me on the inside. <laughs> but from there, I knew that I wanted to work directly with people. Uh, in in whatever capacity I could kind of find. And my parents had both worked in the insurance company at one point or another, different roles. You know, my dad was part of IT. My mom, I think, was in claims, you know, forever and a day ago. So it was in the area. I figured, okay, well, at least it's a starting point. And it's, you know, really to say it was an entry-level role, it was an entry-level role. So I figured, all right, I'll start here and kind of see where it goes. So I started and it was a call center on like really inbound calls, constantly upset customers. Yeah, literally, it sounds like the worst. But from there, I realized that I was able to craft a lot of people skills, which actually, you know, helps a lot with the harp world because you are kind of put into that situation to really watch your phrasing and use good, you know, communicating skills to, to make sure that you're reaching out in a timely manner, because if you don't, it's going to come back to you and to phrase things appropriately, or if somebody's not understanding, rephrase it. So honestly, a lot of those skills ended up translating well into, into running, you know, my business of doing weddings and, and orchestra. But then, you know, as I continued at, 
the insurance company, I realized that I really, really enjoyed working with the team member at the company. So I loved to see their progress and them improving themselves. You know, it started off with me answering a couple of help questions. You know, brand new people would say, hey, Katie, I have a quick question. How do I do this? So I'd stop, walk them through it, and they would really appreciate the steps I would take. And then from there, it just kind of spiraled into a team lead role and then eventually up to a supervisor role. So it is funny. You never know what is actually going to strike a chord with you, if I'm being, you know. typical harpist, Uh, but you never know what's going to actually hit home for you because I thought for sure that creative stationary company was going to be a slam dunk for me. It was going to be great and totally not what I was expecting. And then, you know, the boring old insurance call center ended up being a really, really great platform for me. Do you find fulfillment in your day job? I do. I really have to sometimes step back because looking at my day job just by itself, it's so rewarding. I get to work with people day in, day out. I get to see their progress. I, I really get to to connect with them on both you know, a personal level, but then also at the work level and really kind of push people to achieve stuff that they never thought. Most people don't anticipate going into insurance, I will say. So to be able to take somebody who literally has like never experienced this and get them towards an expert level where they're handling their own really escalated difficult situations, it is very, very satisfying for sure. Harp Column Podcast is brought to you by Harp Column Magazine. Harp Column Magazine is the facilitating body that supports not only this podcast, but Harp Column Music, Harp Column Academy, any news updates you see, all those awesome Q&As that are always going up on Facebook, blogs, forums, so much stuff. If you aren't currently subscribed to the magazine, you're selling yourself short. Even if you've only clicked on a harp column link once, if you appreciate the work that we do in one or many of the limbs of harp column, the best way to show us that appreciation is to subscribe. Head over to www.harpcolumn.com and subscribe today for only $44.95 for one year or $79.95 for two and gain access to all of the awesome. Have many of your colleagues seen you play? They have not, though with, you know, hot summers in Boston and cold winters in Boston, I've had to bring the harp inside the building, which I will say is next level uncomfortable. It's so odd to see the security guards looking at you like, what is going on? (laughs) So I've, I've had to bring it in. And it's funny because 
people ask me frequently, oh my gosh, can you play something for us? And, and you know, they've ended up finding me on, on YouTube or Instagram or whatever, but I've, I've never unpacked my harp at work because it's funny because, you know, constantly thinking about declining gigs because I feel like I'm going to be unprofessional to the music world, I do the exact same thing with the insurance world. So I feel like if I were to ever unpack my harp, even just play like a little silly something at lunchtime, I feel like immediately that would take away from my professional appearance at work because it's it's not anything that has to do with the insurance world or with me coaching other people. So I've even struggled with the exact opposite situation. There is so much shame around having to have a day job and how we keep it all, we all keep it secret. Definitely. I found really every time that I have to respond to somebody to say no, and typically it is, you know, due to I have a late shift or, you know, I know I've got a meeting that I can't scoot away from. It's tough. And especially having two degrees, you know, I feel like sometimes I should be able to make it happen and make it work. And it's really, really tough to say no, I can't and really be thinking in the back of my head, I would love to. And like, that is my ultimate goal. But for now, you have to say like, no, you know, I'm not able to do this time. But if you need me in the future, hopefully we can work it out. Hey, if you've got to do something during the day, at least you enjoy it. That's even part of it. Because I know Lisa Khan, who is a fabulous harpist based out of Chicago, plays at the Drake Hotel. She teaches at colleges in the area, does orchestral stuff, doing all of it. And we've even had conversations where, you know, doing some of like the Drake stuff and teaching, it can get tedious. And even that can feel like, well, it's not performing in the way that I want to be performing. So it's funny because even harpists who do technically do music full time can feel like, oh, this, this is not what I envisioned. That certainly hit home. Look at Katie dropping truth bombs. So I personally find the idea of asking someone if they regret their schooling choices to be repugnant. If Katie hadn't made the choices she did, she wouldn't be the beautiful, wise, wonderful person she is today. So instead, I asked Katie to share any advice that she might have for the next generation. You know, as an 18-year-old, your parents are, are helping you fill out paperwork and, and getting you to up to, you know, upstate New York. So I think it, if I had taken a little bit more responsibility way back when, which is tough because, you know, as an 18-year-old, you hear the words, you've been accepted to Eastman, and immediately you're like, oh my gosh, I have to go. This is it. And not to say, I mean, Eastman was fabulous. Kathleen Bride really technique, 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 
fabulous school, but I think you really have to weigh, you know, how, how your anticipated progression looks, you know, from day one. And are you okay if it doesn't end up that way? And honestly, I'll say from experience, I didn't think I was going to be okay. I, I thought for sure I wasn't going to be able to be happy with, with what I was able to produce unless it was performing in some manner. So I would say keeping in mind, you know, what your projected path is going to be and just knowing that that is certainly not set in stone by any stretch of the imagination and just really you know, rolling with the punches, but taking that, you know, the four years, two years, six years, eight years, however long it takes you to get through the schooling that you want to go through, drinking up as much as you possibly can during that time. Because I think anybody who's gone through advanced schooling will tell you it goes by so quickly. And to look back to say, oh, I really wish I took some notes during that master class, or you know, I, I really wish I had you know recorded some of my lessons because that would be really helpful after the fact. Yeah, I would say drink up as much as you can from whatever type of experience you get surrounding the harp. That's it for episode number 53. Many thanks to Katie Canale Flammer for contributing today. Music for today's episode comes from Annalene Lennart's new CD, Nina Rota, Works for Harp, reviewed by Allison Young in the July-August issue of Harp Column. If you'd like to learn more about Harp Column, please visit www.harpcolumn.com and subscribe today to gain access to current and past issues, as well as a lot of great web content. My name is Dr. Christina Finch, and we at Harp Column hope that you have a spectacular week. Mm-hmm.